0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about how the church is God's. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know that this sermon that you're about to hear was preached three years ago. The reason we're sharing it again now is that it was foundational to all that we have become as a church And as we prepare to gather together again, we think it's really important that people remember exactly why we exist as a church and what we're trying to accomplish. You know, a lot's changed in the world in the last couple of months, but there are unchangeable truths about what the church is and about what the church is supposed to do written down for us in scripture. This sermon contains some of those truths, and so we thought it was really important for us to share it again. I hope it will be as foundational to our regathering as it has been to our church over the last few years. One more quick note before I let you get to the sermon and that is that this sermon was filmed on location at a church that I have been a part of. Obviously you won't be able to see that because you're listening. So if you wanna watch, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel, which is called Creekside Tube. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. I really do hope that it'll help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Why does church exist? What is its purpose? Is it to offer a bunch of rules, an excuse to have coffee with friends? Ephesians describes church as the body of Jesus. Christians are a part of it. The goal is that all the parts will be built up and work together in order to positively impact people's lives for the glory of God. This happens by expressing the love of Jesus to our communities and the world, by telling the story of how he died and rose again. All this happens for him because the church is his. This morning, I am standing out in front of the church that Bryn and I got married at about eight years ago now. Eight years ago when we walked down the aisle, I don't think that either of us knew what we were getting ourselves into. We probably thought that we understood all that marriage was and all that it would entail, Uh, but looking back, we were pretty naive. We were naive both on how difficult marriage would be, but I also think, at least me, I can't speak for Bren, uh, that I was naive about how great of a union Bren and I would develop. Now, that doesn't to say that our marriage is perfect, or that we have figured it out, or that we don't have any difficult times. But I am profoundly impressed by the type of love that is developed between Bren and I. I've already said in this series that. While there was romantic love early in our marriage, there is a different type of love now that goes far beyond a romantic type of love. She is a part of my family. She is really a part of me because of all the difficulties and all the good things that we have been through together. You know, as I think about marriage just in general, uh, marriage is all begin kind of in the same way. There is this romance that springs up and people date and then they get married. And then the romance will last for a while. There is what we often call the honeymoon period. And then marriages will go one of two ways. Either a marriage will begin a downward path where people allow for things to get worse and worse, or People will work and strive to have a good marriage and marriages will get better and better. I believe that in the metaphor that we will look at today for the church, we have that same decision to make. Either we will invest deeply in the church or we will not. And our involvement in our churches will get worse and worse. The metaphor we're going to look at for church today is that of the bride. In the book of Ephesians, Paul describes the church as the bride of Christ or his bride to stick with the language we've used throughout this series of sermons. And as we look at this passage today, we are going to see that Jesus has an incredible love for us and that our marriage to him has incredible benefits for us, but the question still lingers for us. Are we going to be a bride that invests in our marriage to Christ? Or are we going to be a bride that allows for the romance, if you will, to slowly dwindle? Now, before we dive into this passage, I just want to point out that uh, this is just a metaphor. And I read a book once called Why Men Hate Going to Church or something to that effect. And it pointed out that, that one of the reasons that men maybe struggle in church is that we use romantic language for our relationship with God. And uh, before we kind of dive into this passage, I just think it's important to say that 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 our love relationship with God in Christianity is really not a romantic one. Uh, But this is a metaphor to really show that we should deeply love God and Jesus. It's not a metaphor to show how we should love God and Jesus. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Ephesians 5, 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I don't want to linger too long on this verse, but I just want to point out, this isn't here about a man and a woman. And and this whole passage really, uh, while it has the undertones of a human marriage, it's really not about human marriage at all. It's about our relationship to Christ, the church's relationship to God. And here, as Paul begins, and he says, submit to one another, he isn't talking about a marriage relationship. He hasn't even used that language yet. He's actually talking about the the relationship that churchgoers are supposed to have towards each other. Submit in Greek is a word that has military undertones. It's a word that was used for how a platoon would follow their commander. And it's a word that really means to make others More important than yourself. I think this has profound impact upon how we approach church. In our churches today, it doesn't seem that there's much of a difference from the rest of the walks of life. Most people who attend churches in America today show up thinking pretty much about themselves and Paul in Ephesians 5 21 is saying hey the way that you approach church should be with the mindset that everybody else involved in that church is actually more important than you are. Now we could go down just about every area of ministry and point out how this should challenge the way that we go about our business or our church I mean, you could think about Sunday gatherings and showing up here like you have this morning. And, and so often we ask, like, what did I get out of this? What did I get out of that today? And, and really, and I've said this in this series already, we should be asking what we put in because we should be looking at the people we gather with and, say, and be saying, like, hey, what can they get out of it if I contribute to it? we can look at, at how we connect with others in our church. And, and I've noticed that, that oftentimes in churches, people are, are, are asking like, why hasn't anybody reached out to me? Why hasn't anybody called me? Why hasn't anybody offered to pray with me? And, and when we are being submissive in the church, we go, who do I need to connect with? Who do I need to call? Who should I take out to dinner? Who should I be praying for? We might think like, why isn't somebody doing this in the church fill in the blank? Why isn't somebody serving in this way? Why doesn't our church have this program? And really we should be saying, well, if this church program is important, what do I need to do to make it happen? How should I be serving the other people in my church? And we can just go down the list of like every single aspect of church. And when Paul says, in essence, like, hey, make others more important than you, it should challenge the way we approach every part of what we do at church. I hope that we would heed these words, that we would follow this command, and we would be a church that that just looks at each other and goes, hey, I'm going to act as if you are the most important part of this church, not me. But Paul moves on from there and he gives us this metaphor uh, of the church as his Jesus bride. And, And here's what he says in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. It's good advice. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything again the point of this passage is not how to do human marriage although there is some great advice here and i've preached in the past and i've talked about what it means for a wife to be submissive and in the next few verses you'll see that the husbands are to love their wives and i've talked about that before And if you want to link to that sermon i'd be glad to give you a link to that sermon today i want to just really focus in on what this means for the church and the first thing that it means is is that we are the church the bride of christ he says that the churches are the women are to submit to their husbands as the church is to submit really to jesus we are jesus bride i believe that this has humongous implications for how we think about church and what we think about church. And a lot of these implications are seen within this passage. But one of the things that we don't see in this passage that I think is really important to point out is that we should love and like church. There's this Thinking in, in modern Christian circles, especially with people in my generation, that, that we can dislike the church, that we can even hate the church, that we can mock the church, that we can talk bad about the church, and yet still love and like and feel good and please Jesus. I just know that if you disliked Brynn and were open about that, if you hated Brynn and, and talked bad about Brynn and, and and mocked Brynn and talked bad about Brynn behind her back or you made clear to me your dislike for Brynn, it would change in a very real way our relationship. And I would even say that you and I cannot have a good relationship if you openly dislike my wife. And I think that as we look at this passage and see that the church is his bride, then you need to really question how you think about the church and how you view the church and if you like the church. Because if you don't like the church then it's going to be offensive to Jesus. Now that is not to say that you need to like everything that churches do and everything that churches stand for, or even every church. But when you think about and talk about the church, you must remember that you are thinking and talking about the bride of Jesus himself. But even in this passage, there are implications about us being the bride of Christ. A common metaphor, by the way, in 1 Corinthians eleven two, it says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. In John three twenty nine, we read of Jesus as the bridegroom. It says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends to the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. It's a common metaphor, but it's one I think that we often overlook. And right here in this passage, we begin to see part of the reason it's so important in verses 22 through 23. He says that we are the bride and that he is our savior. Jesus is the savior of our of us, his bride. Now just think with me about some of the great love stories that have ever existed. And one of the things that you'll find commonly is that the the person who eventually becomes the groom, the husband, will make a valiant effort to save or free or take care of the one who will eventually become his bride. And really the greatest love story is the love story of Jesus who was sitting in the perfection of heaven, saw that, that his future bride, us who are the church, was in distress, was destined for death. And he stepped out of heaven and gave his only life, he gave his very life in order that we might be saved. You see, one of the reasons that this bride imagery is important is because it's a reminder, a constant reminder that we became the bride of Christ because he decided to be our Savior. Decided to give his life because he loved us so much and he wanted this relationship with us so much. Almost every person who is entered into a romantic relationship has made some level of sacrifice in the beginning. Whether it just be the fear of dialing that number and saying, hey, uh, do you want to go out on Friday? Or whether it be something greater. Everybody who finds their way into a romantic relationship that lasts makes some sacrifices up front. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us now in the same verses it says that we ought to submit to our husband Jesus and I frankly just don't see this happening in the modern American church today I look around at the churches I know that the churches I'm familiar with. And it just seems that we care very little about Jesus. The modern American church cares about filling up their seats, it cares about money, It, or maybe I should say she, she cares about looking good, power, prestige, all of these things, but not a lot about Jesus. And when we think about submitting to Jesus as the bride of Christ, it means that we should run all of our decisions through him. It means that all of our decisions should be for his glory and for his sake in order to express our love back to him. And I'm convinced that as Jesus looks down on our country today and he looks at his bride, He thinks that in large part, his bride has turned her back on him. And that's sad, especially given what Paul says in the next few verses. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present herself Present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. I mean, Jesus is our Savior because he gave his very life for us. He gave himself up, as this verse says, gave himself up for us. I mean, he came down, as I've already said, and he he died the most brutal death, and, and he didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it because of his incredible love for us. And he's made us holy through that incredible sacrifice. He's made it so that you and I and all people who give their lives to him, who choose to enter into a relationship with Him, have forgiveness from our sins. We have forgiveness from the very things that we regret, from the very things that we can't let go of because we know they were were so utterly wrong. Jesus gave Himself up so that we could be made holy. We could be set apart for Him. And He cleanses us through His Word And in all of it, he has a goal. And the goal is that we will be a radiant church, a radiant bride for him. Now, I I say this probably more than I should. Uh, I don't know why it comes up so much, but uh, I do weddings and I absolutely hate doing weddings. I would rather do funerals because at a funeral, you feel like people are listening to you. At a wedding, nobody's listening to you. They don't really care what you say. There's nothing that you can contribute to a wedding. The only thing that you can do is mess it up. So you feel a lot of pressure when you do a wedding. But there's one thing that I absolutely love about doing weddings. And it is that when you are the officiant of a wedding, you are the only person who looks directly into the eyes of the bride as she walks down the aisle. And while some cliches are not true, the cliche that a woman will look no more beautiful than they do on their wedding day, that they sparkle, that they glow, all of those things, is absolutely true. Because when I see that bride coming down the aisle, there's just something that radiates about them. And here we read that Jesus died for us. And he made us holy, set us apart for himself, and he cleans us through his word. And he does it all so that he might have a radiant bride, a radiant church, a church that glows with beauty. It's frustrating because I look around and I see that the modern American church is soiling itself with the mud and grime and disgustingness of culture I see that the modern American church has rolled around in the filth of moral evils that exist and bad theology that springs up. When I look around at the modern American church, I do not see a radiant bride. Jesus has done so much to make it possible for us to be a beautiful, glowing entity for him. Someday Jesus will come back for his bride. That's what the Bible tells us. And I really do hope that there is a revival in our country. because I don't want just the church worldwide to glow, to radiate for Him. I want us to radiate for Him. Paul continues in Ephesians 5, 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of his body. Now this is just a great benefit of the church. There's no command here. There's nothing that we need to change about our lives. It's just simply this beautiful idea that that in the church, you and I find nourishment, we find provision through Jesus and we find comfort and care through Jesus. That word for caring is, is, translates a word that means to warm something up by drawing it close. It's like a word that means to cuddle. Jesus loves his church and he is feeding us, he's nourishing us and he's caring for us in the church. This makes being a part of church a really big deal. I mean, it's easy for us to say, why do I need the church? Why do I I need to be a part of this deal called church? And, And in large part, it's because Jesus, in a unique way, is feeding and caring for the church. In Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, Paul continues, he says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is profound mystery. Notice this. But I am talking about Christ and the church. Well, we are to radiate for Jesus. This idea of us being the bride of Christ also means that we should be more and more becoming united and one with Jesus. John 17, 20 through 23, not long before Jesus is going to be arrested, persecuted, tortured, and crucified for the sins of the world as he saved his future bride. He prayed for us. He prayed for us who would one day be his bride, and this is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples who lived while he lived on earth. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory. I've given given them the glory. That you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus prays that we would be unified with each other, that we would be unified with Him, that we would be connected to Him in such a deep and profound way that we would be one you've been married a long time you know what i'm about to say is true but every year that goes by Bren and i become a little bit more connected Bryn and i can look across the room and know what the other person is thinking Bryn and i know what's going to make each other laugh Bren and i know what's going to make each other Angry, Bryn and I know what it is that that one another need. Bryn can tell when I'm hungry or when I'm grumpy and I don't even think I'm showing it on my face at all. I mean, every year that goes by, we're just a little bit more connected. The Bride of Christ metaphor that we are his bride suggests that every year that goes by, we should be a little bit more connected with Christ. This metaphor is a big deal. It's a big deal for a couple of reasons. First, to know that we are his bride is to know that he loves us tremendously. He loved us so much that that he came out of heaven, onto earth to die for us so that we might enter into a relationship with him. But he also loves us so much that he's cleansing us. He's purifying us. He loves us so much that he's caring for us, that he's giving us the nutrition that we need to become stronger. Knowing that we're the bride of Christ means knowing that Jesus loves us passionately. I love my wife. I would die for my wife. If my wife had cancer, I'd want to take cancer for my wife. And because I couldn't do that, I would be by my wife every single second of the day that I could be with her in order to support her and help her through that. And oftentimes we think of Jesus as this this God who sits in heaven that doesn't care, that's not helping, that's not there for us, that doesn't have any passion for us, that, that really just is absent. But Jesus acts as the bridegroom. And he's a good bridegroom. But knowing That the church is the bride of christ also reminds us that we ought to love him back i believe that the church today has become adulterous we have turned our backs on jesus as i've said earlier we have cared very little about jesus i mean think about what type of wife bryn would be if she didn't love me, or she didn't care about me, or she didn't consult me on major decisions, or she flirted openly with other guys, or she never talked to me. She would be a terrible wife. Thankfully, she's not any of those things. But we look at Jesus and and we treat him as if he is totally and utterly unimportant. We don't talk to him. We don't think about him. We don't consult Him on our decisions. We go about our business as if he does not exist at all. And I wonder what he thinks of that. Knowing that we are the bride of Christ means not only that we understand in a greater, more profound way how much he loves us. It means that we ought to love him passionately back. So I want to finish this series by saying, look, the church is His. One of the ways that the church is His is His bride. And this means that He loves us tremendously. And we ought to love Him tremendously back. And and everything that we do in church should really be an expression of our love to Him. Everything we do in church should be an expression of our love love to him the church is Jesus bride and we should be a loving faithful good bride let me pray that we would be that Lord Jesus I thank you that you loved us so much that you came out of heaven and you died for us and I thank you that you have loved us so much that you would bestow upon us your unfaithful adulterous people the term bride that is an incredible amount of grace and i pray jesus that we would always remember your love for us and i pray jesus that we would respond to that love accordingly and we would love you back let us be a good spouse god to stick with the metaphor jesus i pray that all of us would examine individually how we should approach church in light of being in light of the church being your bride and i pray these things in your holy name amen